All right, today, folks, oh, my hair's sticking out here. Got the little, you know, that little bang that even sometimes people put out there in their hijab. Well, I'm not doing it for my kufi, so there. Um, today, some people asked here that we have some Tunisian attendees, and they asked, we need you to talk about Tunisia to educate people what's going on in Tunisia. Now, a lot of people don't know where Tunisia even is, let alone what's happening in Tunisia. And the purpose of Wednesday's stream is to touch upon news of the Islamic world. What's going on in the Ummah to, is as a way to connect our Ummah to get educated. Like a lot of, a lot of people, they enter into deen and they want the deen, right? Of course, we want to benefit ourselves. We want to come near to Allah Ta'ala, etc. Okay? So, but the issue is that the Prophet himself has told us what's good for us. Not just what we want. And what's good for us is to have, have knowledge be connected to our ummah. That's what's good for us. It's to be connected to our ummah. Okay? Audio's on, right? Yeah, it's good. Okay. So I think some people, they log on and their computer's, uh, or their phone is on mute or something. So, we got to know what's, what uh, is happening in our ummah. And that's something that may not be second nature to somebody, right? But we have to do it, whether we like it or not. And as you grow older, you realize it is important to keep in touch and have a clue what's going on in our ummah. So Tunisia is what the early Islamic scholars call, used to call Ifriqiyya. Whenever the scholars used to call, say, Ifriqiyya in the first you know, four, three, four generations, what they meant was Tunisia. Okay. And specifically, the city of Qayrawan. And uh, the, the, the jama'ah that's there, the masjid that was the center of Qayrawan, was Zaytuna. Okay. Jama'ah as Zaytuna, which Zaytuna College is named after. Okay, they actually, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, I remember saying, he wanted to name it Qarawiyin, because that's the College of Morocco, and it's the first ever university in the world, place dedicated to, for higher learning, and it was founded by one of the descendants of the uh, companion who arrived, first arrived companion or tabi, I can't recall, that arrived to um, uh, the Islamic, the Arab West, as they call it, which is Morocco, and her name was Fatima Al-Fihriya. She's the founder of this masjid, which she dedicated to higher learning. So not like teaching kids. You remember his name? Shia? No. She's not Shia? No, Sunni school. Yeah. Uh, so she dedicated to higher learning, and that is considered the first university in Islam. But Qarawiyin was really hard to say on the tongue. And Qarawiyin was actually named after Qairawan. Like, so people from Qairawan, Tunisia, which is the capital city of Islamic learning and Islamic culture in, in, the, in, the North, in North Africa, when those people moved into the city of Fez, Morocco, they named that district where they lived after Qairawan. So the Qairawani people. Qairawani people, Qarawiyin. So... When they established a masjid there, they called it Masjid Al-Qarawiyin. But he realized uh, it's hard on the tongue to say Qarawiyin. Okay? So he went with the next um, university in 
North Africa. And an earlier, as a masjid, it was uh, founded before the Qarween, which is Az-Zaytuna. Jami' Az-Zaytuna. So, he, they named it after that. But, when the scholars say Ifriqiya, what they meant is North Africa, specifically uh, Tunisia, and specifically Qairawan. Alright, so now you know some things about North Africa and Tunisia. New York Times has released an article saying that Tunisians have approved a new constitution that cements the one-man rule instituted by Qais Saeed over the past year. According to the results of a referendum released on Tuesday, dealing a, uh, a body blow to a democracy built with immense effort and high hopes after the overthrow of the country's dictator more than a decade ago. Tunisia, where the Arab Spring uprising began in 2011, there's, by the way, there's no feedback or fuzziness, is there? Perfect? Good? Testing? It's good, right? There's no fuzziness or anything? I don't know why this headphone, maybe it's the headphone itself. I'm getting fuzziness when I listen to it, which is weird. Anyway, I just won't listen to it then. Tunisia, where the Arab Spring uprising began in 2011. So in 2011, you remember what happened. Now, it it was such a random event that just set fire across the Arab world. And it was all based upon just theft, oppression of the leadership and anger of the people. We good, right? Yeah. That's fine, but no fuzziness from here. Okay, good. So what, the issue with that is that many, many of the Salihin, they were very suspicious about this uh, Arab Spring. Yes, the, the oppressors, that was true. All of those rulers, they're stealing money. They're not caring for the people. Simple equation, right? No one disagreed with that. But the motive was almost just like pure anger over the distribution of wealth. And that is a revolution that Allah leaves you. If it works for you, it works. But he doesn't support that. There was no anger about the disobedience of Allah. It has nothing to do with Islam. The Arab Spring had nothing to do with the deen, right? And Madik, when he was asked about an oppressor and a person who is not on the deen, like someone far from deen, fasiq, someone not on deen, and an oppressor, and they're fighting each other. What's our position on that? Maddox said, let the oppressor fight the oppressor, and let us be safe in between, right? It's not to say that the people were oppressors. They're the victims. But their means, or their philosophy, was not a philosophy of uh, truth, haq, and deen. There were, it was a mixed bag of people. They're just angry at the theft and the um, oppression of the dictators. So on a random day, in I think it was early spring of 2011, a guy was working, uh, selling food outside uh, some corner in the street, like a grease truck. And the police gave him a ticket. They said, you don't have a right to be here. And he's had this argument with them. And he's like, this is the only way I can eat, like selling corn or something on the street. So he ends up having a back and forth with them. I think it was over a period of time. 
And they said, no, khalas, we're going to take your card away. He's like, what am you're taking my card away. I'm barely eating and I'm just selling food. It's like totally innocent here, right? This is where the libertarians are correct, right? Like basic things and you need a thousand permits to do it. Now I understand you're going to sell food to the public. You need some kind of permit, right? But this guy, they give him a hard time. He ends up taking some gasoline, pouring it on himself, drenching himself, and then lights himself on fire and dies. Okay? Because he just can't take it anymore. Not that that's justified, but that's the reason he did it. Okay? That hit, like, it just, nobody knew the impact that that would have. And the Tunisians, they stormed, they, they basically not rioted, they marched for 30 days and the guy couldn't stop them. The, the king, the president of Tunisia, he couldn't stop them. So he resigned. And when all the other shu'ub or the people looked and saw that, they're like, eyes grew up big and they're like, maybe we could do that too. That's all they did was march. There was no violence. By the way, it's totally halal to march. So they marched in Egypt 11 days down 11 days right 11 that's it all they did was hit the streets for 11 days now syria was another story syria it's not a unified people the alawites leadership and sunni population it's, it's, it's different and the alawites it got violent in syria syria was a disaster so that's the summary when they say arab spring what's going on little bit of a historic background there, modern Arab history. Modern Arab history is terrible. It's just misery, right? Like, and, there, and, and to be honest with you, I don't, I don't always see, I don't know who to root for. Like, there's no, as, as a Muslim looking, well, who here is sort of in line with Dean? There's like some groups here and there. So it was lauded as the only democracy to survive the Arab Spring because very quickly, after Egypt voted in the Islamic Brotherhood, Muslim Brotherhood, then the army took over. The military said, ah, enough of this Islamic Brotherhood. You're out. And they took over. Syria, civil war. And they never got the guy out. But he paid the price that three-fourths of his country is like rubble. Uh, who else did an Arab Spring? Sudan, I think. And then the Gulf countries, they locked down. So Saudi, he gave out $17,000 to each family, to basically stay home, right? So, and the Emirates, of course, that guy has got his country on lockdown. His name is Muhammad bin Zayed, MBZ, and the Saudi uh, king is MBS. He's not king yet, but technically, but, but in every way except the official way, he's king. His dad is officially king, but uh, Salman is officially king, but MBS is actually king. So they, they put their countries on lockdown. And they promoted scholars that spoke out against democracy and for obeying the ruler. And that's where there's a lot of controversy of who signed up for that. Why would anyone sign up for that? Why would people go for that? But that's what they did. Okay? That's what they did. They promoted scholars who were, would agree with their position. Yemen had one too and that ended up in a disaster too worse disaster because when Yemen was shaky 
Yemen is 50-52. The north is Shia and the south is Sunni. So Iran got involved and Saudi got involved and that was a disaster. Okay. So there was a lot of stuff that went on uh, in Libya. Oh, Libya was also, they got Gaddafi. And I don't know, um, uh, Gaddafi was, it was like uh, his whole rule was oppressive. Very, very oppressive. He had spies everywhere in the world. America, England, to make sure any Libyan dissident was scared. And we knew Libyan dissidents. They were scared, right? Gaddafi was like that. He was vicious on that, okay? And so Gaddafi, when he realized he's not getting any help from the Arabs, he went to become the champion of Africa. And they loved him, right? They did. Like, love. Gaddafi, you don't know if it's, it's a level of, in my opinion, my philosophy of it, it's evil that turned insane. I think he literally went insane, right? And his insanity was a type of insanity that bordered on, on humorous on purpose. It's like, I don't know if he's trying to be funny or he's so crazy that it's funny. Like, for example, he came for the United Nations. When he, whenever he would come to the United Nations meeting and, and, and the General Assembly to give his speech, right, guess where he would stay? Where? The guy puts in a request to the mayor of New York to pitch a tent in Central Park. He said, I'm a, I'm a desert Bedouin. I can't live in a hotel. I need a tent. He lives in a tent. Now, he fasts Monday and Thursday. And he has an entourage of two Eastern European women that dress in like military garb. And he says, this is okay in the Sharia because I need somebody to give me my iftar and my pills. That he, he walks around with these two Eastern European women dressed in like military garb. He always dresses in his big uh, Libyan clothes and he stays in the United Nations uh, uh, in Central Park in a tent. It's just like, what? If you're Libyan, you're just like, put, say you're something else. Say you're Italian. Say, you're, say something else. Unbelievable, the guy. Okay. The guy was just insane. And he'd give these two-hour speeches. They knocked him out. Okay. They killed him. He was killed in the streets by just some thugs. And some people say the CIA got him out. And who knows? Who knows? But Libya turned out to be an ISIS playground. ISIS was born and, and developed, right, in this Arab Spring. Not born, but it was it developed. It fomented into this, in this Arab Spring time. And then the Emirates, MBZ, eventually got control over Libya with his boy there. He put in his boy there. In any event, that's a quick summary about the Arab Spring which turned into a long, cold Arab winter, okay, in which the top dogs now are the Emirates and MBZ and MBS. They're the top dogs of the Arab world right now. They're in complete control. And Israel's very happy. They were very worried. Now they're very happy. Okay, because once Egypt went to the Islamic parties, they were like, this is, that. This is the end times. That's it. But they found a way to knock that party out of there and to put the military in. So a new charter has basically ended what was lauded as the only democracy to survive, which is Tunisia. Okay? Now, democracy is not always the best system, but sometimes it has some positives to it.
Still, the referendum on Monday was undercut by mass boycotts, voter apathy, and it was set up to favor Mr. Saeed. The Constitution was approved by 94.6% of voters, according to the results released by the Electoral Authority. Okay? What Electoral Authority is governed by the guy himself? The masses that came out Tuesday t- today across the country show the significance of this moment. Mr. Saeed said an address to cheering supporters in downtown Tunis a few hours after the polls closed. Today marks a new chapter of hope and turning the page on poverty, despair, and injustice. In his remarks, Mr. Saeed denied any tendency towards authoritarianism, but the new constitution will turn Tunisia into a presidential system like the one it had under Zain al-Abidin bin Ali. The authoritarian ruler toppled in the so-called Jasmine Revolution or Arab Spring of 2011. It weakens the parliament and most other checks on the president's power while giving the head of state ultimate authority to form a government, appoint judges, and present laws. Okay? It serves, it preserves most of the 2014 constitutional clause concerning rights and liberties, but in contrast to previous constitutions, which divide power between parliament and president, the new one demotes the legislator and judiciary to something more like civil servants granting the president alone authority to appoint government ministers and judges and weakening the parliament. So here's the thing. I'll tell you where democracy has merit, when you can't trust anybody, when nobody's good, right? When you have a good ruler in Islam, when you have a ruler and he's righteous, he does have a lot of power. And he's got the responsibility to appoint the judges and appoint all the ministers himself. And if anything goes wrong in the country, the responsibility is back on him. But what happens when you can't really trust anybody? Nobody's good. So then it's whatever you choose is not going to be good. Best thing is to just divide it up amongst them. So it's all least possible harms. Okay? Least possible harms. When when you don't have any kind of person that you... Or it's not even person. The ruler is just a reflection of the people. And the culture of the Arabs is not a culture that is going to bring forth a leader or some righteous leader. That, those are the old days. This the new era is the, righteousness and taqwa and deen. That's not something that, that, that it's out there in the popular sphere. Maybe in the streets, some people here and there. So we're talking from the aspect of what we care about, which is the deen and the haq and iman and taqwa. But... You need masses of people to be on that same vibration, that same wavelength, that same heart, in order to ever even think about that rising up to the level of governance. So this doesn't rise up to the level of governance because most people don't, uh, don't want it. Most people wanted it. And it's not just that they don't want it. There's, there's two things. There's ikhlas and sitq. Ikhlas is that you, you're pure in your desire. But sitq is that you're truthful in seeking your desire. There's a lot of people who have ikhlas. You ask them, why are you doing something? Just sake of Allah, that's it. Okay? Sake of Allah. Okay? I love, loves the deen. What do you love? The deen. Now ask the question of sitq. All right. You love the deen. Where's your... What have you done for it? 
What have you sacrificed for it? They lack sidq. Sidq means I can truly put my head on the pillow and say, I tried 110%. I put in 100% effort. That's sidq. So you have to understand the difference between ikhlas and sidq, or iman and sidq. Welcome to uh, our friend Levan, Levan Brown. He's from MCGP, and he's a friend of ours. Now he's a member now, mashallah, of the YouTube uh, channel. But back to the topic. Ikhlas is one thing. Yes, you walk around the streets, ask people, what would you like to say? Deen of Allah, right? Many people will say this. But that's not enough. Do you have sidq? If you have sidq, then you start asking questions. What did you have done for it? What are you doing for it? Where's the effort? Have you turned over every, every stone possible? So that's the question we have to ask. It's not just that you, we have to love the deen. And that's why I talked about, I don't know if I talked, was it here, the Ryan, that I talked about the category of Muslims that are lukewarm? That was in class. We never talked about it on the live stream. There is a category of people that they're neither against you nor are they praiseworthy. I think that's the best way to put it. They're not against you. They support you. They're for you. They love the deen. And they love the da'wah. And they love the imams. And they love the symbols of religion and the shiuch. But they also have not entered the level of praiseworthiness because their effort is weak. They haven't full, put in the full effort, right? And as a result of that, they're doing some matters of deen and not others. Okay? Now, the issue is the question of excuses. Do they have excuses? Yes, we make excuses for them in specific but as a general category, we have to encourage what did, what is also but what tawasso bil haqi wa tawasso bil sabr. Tawasso bil haq. Not tawasso bil adhar. Tawasso means to advise and push and and encourage. You don't encourage people to have excuses. Even though when I see a specific person and I see them, yeah, they like the deen, but they're also they got certain things about them. They're not do, they're not doing the whole deen, right? I'll make a personal excuse for them. And that's the sunnah. That's how we're supposed to do things. But as a general category, this lukewarm attitude that, all right, I'm just going to love the deen. I'm going to go to all the masjid events. We have to tell you as a matter of honesty and as a matter of sincerity that what you fulfilled is half the battle. What you're missing is sidq. Your, Your commitment level. Sidq is commitment. Sidq is to be able to put your head on the pillow and say, I put 100% effort. I sacrificed. I took the hits. I took the blows. And some people have that and some people don't. We're not blaming them. We're making it clear to them. And to ourselves. I mean, we got this too. Not every one of us is perfect either. I mean, even people who think that they're fulfilling deen there's something that you don't even know that you that you're missing like you're not even aware that you're missing out on it in the deen but at least in the obligations and prohibitions we should be able to know like allah doesn't has mysteries on obligations and prohibitions you know that you're fulfilling them or you're not right so the question is that do we have sidq 
And that is, I'm putting a, a serious effort here, and I really am not going to allow myself, at least in the outwards things, to, to have a shortcoming in obligations or prohibitions. That's the basic uh, line to become what's called salih. What is a salih? Someone who fulfills his obligations, and he avoids the prohibitions, inwardly and outwardly. Okay? So, we need sidq. And when I, whenever I look at the majority of people in the Islamic world, yeah, I see that there is a lot of people who love deen, but there's not a lot of sidq. Right? There's a lot of, the first resistance, we back off. The first push, we back off. Right? The, and f- few people, you look around, and they refuse to back off. I have to do something, I don't, I'll find another job. I can't live in this place, I'll find another home. How hard is that? But that's sidq. That's sidq. We continue reading this, uh, this article here just for the sake of having a concept of what's happening in the Ummah of Islam. Dino says, is that not real love? No, we say it's real love, but it's weak. It's incomplete. Those types, that, which we call, we just saying the lukewarm, that means he loves the deen, but he hasn't fulfilled the quality of sidq, a salih. He's not a salih. He still has openly doing certain things that are haram and not fulfilling obligations from the outward, which we can see. So we say they have love, but it's not strong enough. It's almost like admiration more than love, right? And so if we're sincere, we should make excuses for that person and have a good opinion of that individual. But yet at the same time, we have to give them the actual reality of things because the mu'min is the mirror of the mu'min. That means I cannot allow you know, something wrong to continue with my Muslim brother and sister and not say something. But the question is how do you say it? And with what context and with what feeling too? That's the question. With what intention? With what motive? And if you do it without loving the person, they won't accept it. And they shouldn't accept it. Okay? So that's the key. And that's the sunnah. The Prophet loved the, the, the people. Then when he gave them advice, it, they swallowed it. Right? It was able to be digested. This re- referendum could spell the end of a democracy that was already young and which the Tunisians had already come to view as corrupt and inadequate at guaranteeing bread, freedom, and dignity. We as an ummah will never ever rise up until bread, freedom, and dignity are the second tranche of priorities and the first priority is al-haq, submission to Allah and His Messenger but who are we talking to? Right? Uh, bread, freedom, and dignity was the chant in 2011 okay but with turnout low 30% of the people didn't even show up to vote we couldn't care less they believe it's a bunch of nonsense okay it's a bunch of nonsense Tahira says does it mean Tunisia is not a Muslim country now check this out from the aspect of if we define a Muslim country as the majority of the residents are Muslim then they're Muslim countries but the correct definition 
or a more correct definition, is that the law of the land is the Sharia. That's the definition of an Islamic country, not the population. Right? So there's different definitions of what is Darul Islam. But there is one that's recent, I mean, that, that is pretty strong, that says that Darul Islam is where the law of Allah is the, the Sharia is the law. In that case, we don't have any Darul Islams. We just have majority Muslim countries and not. So that's a different. I mean, you look at the picture here. You don't know if you're in Italy, Spain, or Tunisia. I mean, the, 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 there's no mark of Islam on the people. And we care about that. We do care about that, right? Oh, you shouldn't care about the outward. Really? What if I wear a, a Hitler a, a Nazi jacket? All of a sudden, you care about the outward, right? Okay. Uh, we don't care about the outward, but wear this pin that shows that you're an ally. So, no, your outward counts, but our outward doesn't count. That's usually how it is. I mean, just... They just look like regular guys, regular Western people. No, nothing there. This is a regular Western, it's a Western nation. That's just what it is, right? Uh, when we talk about Dean and talk about all these things, it's really just for us to have an idea, right? Because the uh, concepts of, like, the people calling for, or the concept of, uh, rule by Sharia is just so far out, and it's not even—it's not realistic to even expect it. So it's just something that we believe in. Maham says the point about the advantage of democracy is when the ruler is corrupt. It's proven true in UK and Pakistan, exactly. Right? It's—it's—it's it's, it's when you have when you can't trust anyone, divide the power amongst them. If you can trust somebody, then we could go with the way that Allah has, uh, uh, you know, the, the way of Sharia, which is that there's a lot of power in the Sultan's Sultan's hands. Okay. We also note that the new constitution includes weakened checks and balances. So they ended up with another, basically, uh, I don't know if to say dictatorship, but it's close to that. The inability of democratic systems to deliver good jobs and put food on the table. You see, the people are naive in the first place. Government systems do not put food on the table. Am I wrong about that? But it's not a system or a president that puts food on the table. It's an entire culture of work, innovation, development. And yes, the government has to do with facilitating all this stuff. It's not fully their issue, okay? Let's see what Tahira says. So why don't these people just come out live in the West? Uh, they want to make their country a Western country, which it is. Um, what is Tabish Ahmed saying? Are you read me that? Assalamu alaikum, please. What? Istighatan to us? Not going to be today, inshallah. Another time. We already have a whole video on that, and we need to probably clip it out. But the summary is that the Prophet ﷺ taught istighatha with malaika. There's no doubt about it, no discussion. By 2021, two-thirds of the Tunisians had associated democracy with instability, indecision, and a weak economy. See, the Islamic parties in the Arab world, they're the ones who promote democracy because they're confident that the people will vote for them. And the liberals of the Islamic countries 
they know that they're going to get voted out, so they want authoritarianism. It's the exact opposite, right, of what you would expect. When Mr. Saeed seized power a year ago, celebrations erupted. You got what you wanted. You liked the guy. And he turned out to be a, a dictator. Same with Egypt. They love the guy. They, they cheered for Sisi to come in. And now he's like, oh, he's a dictator and the currency is terrible and the price of uh, vegetables is even too high. Uh, why are you whining? This is your guy. Now drink it. That's what they say. All right. You made the bed, now sleep in it. Which I never understood that saying because you make the bed after you're done sleeping. But you made the bed, now sleep in it. Polls showed an overwhelming majority of Tunisians supported him. He declared his power grab necessary to fulfill the long unmet goals of the revolution. All right. And in order to give you power, I need to take all the power for myself. Uh, classic old school gangster move there. Okay. Asif says, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. Thank you. If you tell me about democracy, he said, or human rights and all that stuff, we haven't seen any of it in the last 10 years, says not him, but another person, a 50-year-old bank employee who cast a yes All right, on Monday. What is happening is today is a new era, he says. It can't be worse than it was over the last decade. Oh, yes, it can. I never trust anybody who says it can't be worse. It can always be worse. Okay? Can always be worse. He said he did not mind the Constitution's concentration of power in the hands of the president. A boat needs one captain. I sort of agree with that too. Right? When you got a whole... If you got a whole bunch of incompetent people, you don't want a council of incompetent people. Right? So from one aspect... uh, Sort of right about that. For supporters, an added spur in voting for Mr. Saeed's new constitution was the dread that the Islamic party okay, that dominated parliament before Mr. Saeed dissolved it would return to power. So they wanted to make sure to cut this Islamic party off and put Mr. Saeed in full control to shut down this Islamic party. The low turnout reflects the weakened support of Mr. Saeed over the last year. Well, he benefited from that weakness. If you don't like him, vote against him. Don't stay home. What's the point? Tunisians questioned his focus above all else on putting a new constitution in place and making other political reforms. The price of bread and other staples were soaring. See, if all you care about is the price of bread, then your concern's very low. All real you know, re- re- reforms, they're principled reforms. They're based on a philosophy. Not just every two sentences, the price of bread, the price of bread, the price of gas, the price of meat, the price of squash. The price. <laughs> I mean, it's just a low concern. Plan C says he's just a less corrupt leader than, oh, they're talking about Imran Khan. See, I can't talk about Imran Khan. There's too many people in the audience who know more about Pakistan. There's not a lot of Tunisians, so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about here. Okay. Anyway, it's just more of the same. More of the same in the Arab world. Let's take some Q&A and then we have to leave early today. And we have the dua today. Don't forget, we have a, the dua of Yom al-Arbi'a Let's wait for a second here for these to load.
Instagram. Huh? Go ahead, read it to me, Ayub. Earlier in the week, you mentioned it's not right to live in uh, non-Muslim countries unless you have an excuse. Uh, so if an Islamic country isn't defined by its people, we don't have Islamic countries? Well, the, the Islamic country, they sort of differed on the definition. Some being defined as the residents and some by the law. Okay? And so, as a general rule, however you cut it and however you define it, the general rule is prohibition of living in a non-Muslim country. But the, the, every rule has exceptions. That exception, it may be one exception, but applies to millions of people, right? You see, that's the thing. It may be one exception, but it applies to millions of people. Okay, next question. Uh, are you familiar with Sheikh Ahmed, I think it was Zuruk? What's that? Ahmed Zuruk. Ahmed Zaruk. He'll be one of the biographies we do. Next. Is there a kitab called Dua Nur? Dua Nur. Sayyidina Abu Hassan al-Shadri has a hizb called Hizb al-Nur. Yes. There's probably many people who have that. And there is a specific dua from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That is Allahumma ja'alli nuran fi qalbi wa nuran fi bashari wa nuran fi lahmi wa nuran fi idhami. We'll read it one day. Inshallah. Yes. Uh, we should read it like every Monday before the stream starts or every day even. Next question. Can you please make dua for my mother? She has depression and the medicine gives her uh, side effects. She prays so much. <laughs> and does so much dhikr and dua and salva. May, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, Give her a speedy shifa. Allah Ta'ala give her a speedy shifa. It's nothing... Um, um, it's nothing uh, easy to deal with. Depression, these things. Next. Uh, according Make to sure you turn your mic. Let's talk into that. Yeah. According to Yasser Qadi, 300 years before Ibn Taymiyyah, the majority of Muslims were authority. Uh, okay, I mean, he'd have to. He's the one who's making the claim, so he'd have to show the proof. I mean, was there a consensus? Just look at the biggest names of the scholars. There's not a Maliki scholar until the mingling of Saudi and Moroccan scholarship. There's not a Maliki that was not a Ashari. There's not a Hanafi that wasn't Maturidi. Show me one. Right? Can you make Sarad. There's not a Shafi that wasn't an Ashari. Show me one. Okay? Yes, next. Can you make Salat Hajjah multiple times a day? Yes, you can. Aslam, you can make it multiple times a day and you can intend it with every Sunnah. So every Sunnah be Salat al Hajjah. Is the proof for the single Taslim of the Maliki school greater than the proof for the twice Taslim that everyone else Yes. But both are strong. Both are completely valid. Uh, are there any classical texts on Islamic governance? Yes. Islamic governance, you read the classical text by uh, Al-Mawardi. Imam Al-Mawardi, and it's translated. That's one of the best summaries. Imam Al-Mawardi. 
Okay. Next. When doing uh, oh, uh, wiping over socks. Okay. Uh, mess over socks. Do you wipe once or three times? Firstly, only the Hanabira wipe over the socks. We wipe over the Chuf and the Hanaf likewise. And the Shafi'iyah wipe over anything waterproof. And it's one wipe on the top. That's it. And the bottom is Sunnah. Let me take one from here. From is uh, Caitlin says, does repeating du'a all day increase uh, chance of ijaba? Yes. And it's not just all day; it's every day, nonstop. You don't stop. If you want something, you won't stop. If you want something, you wait. Next. If we pass gas during wudu, do we start over? If you pass gas during wudu, you have to start over. Yes. So, sitq, as we talked about, is we don't leave any stone unturned in our path to Allah Ta'ala. We don't cut corners. It's just truthful work, hard work. In anything, sitq is required. And by the way, this is in anything. If you truly apply sitq in all anything, you'll get great success. Here's, let me take one from Instagram. I heard there's consensus amongst the four schools that you can't wipe over thin normal socks. No, the Hanabila don't have that rule. The Hanabila allow that. Why did Imam Abu Hanifa and Imam Malik and Imam Shafi not like the Abbasid? I never heard that they don't like the Abbasid. Like, which Abbasid? There are many different Abbasids. Uh, Abbasid Khalifas that they lived through. Mango Slicer says, is selling or neutering cats haram? La. No, but selling is illegal. It's adoption fee, and you have to have a license to do that. Ayub, next. Can we do stuff for the sake of the Prophet? Of course. What do you mean, Yanni? What does that mean? That's just the question. Can we do stuff for the sake of the Prophet? Can they do stuff for the sake of the Prophet? Can one do something, and I guess the reward goes to the Prophet? Uh, like, you're doing something to make the Prophet happy? Yes, you can do that. Wallahu wa rasuluhu ahaqqu an Okay. Wallahu wa rasuluhu Allah and His Messenger are more worthy to please. So you're, we're allowed to have the mentality, oh, the Prophet would be happy if I did this. Uh, okay. Uh, which Muslim country is the closest to following the Sharia? Uh, sharia I can't say, and it's not, it's, uh, I can't say, I don't know all their laws, and I don't know how they implement and execute their laws, and if justice is observed, but if I had, if I had to ask, the, probably the place I would trust most to live in would be Malaysia because they seem to have less oppression and better property rights than any other country. But I may not want to live in Malaysia. It's a completely different culture than what I'm used to, but I've, uh, and, and it's so far away than where I'm used to living. But if I had to, it's probably, it would be Malaysia. From what I hear about it, it you don't always hear that people just, van rolls up, and fill it in and throw these people in jail. So it happens in Egypt all the time. A van rolls up, you, 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 get in the van. Why? I heard you talking about Islam. Boom, go to jail. And maybe that's an exaggeration too. In the same way that people in, uh, in other countries may think that we, like every day is people getting shot. We have a lot of shootings, right? It's true, but relative to the actual... Uh, size of the country we don't necessarily um, like actually most people won't ever experience it so there may be an image 
that's not true. Likewise, it's flip flip side. We may imagine, oh, Egypt's all oppression and all these countries are all oppression, but I'm sure millions of people are just moving on with life, right? So there's a perception issue here. But nonetheless, if I was to give them a choice, I'd say Malaysia. I don't know if I would be happy, but I know that there are um, property rights and generally people aren't just thrown in jail and you're allowed to do what you want to do in terms of the dean there. There's a lot of freedoms in that respect. What's, uh, here's a question that says, where is, where is M's question? Did we answer M's question? What Muslim country? Yes, we answered that. Uh, Dino Palavra says, I think they claim all the four imams are ethity. Um, the four imams are represented. Who's going to know best about the imams? A random person or their followers? Who's going to know best about the Shaf imam al-Shafi'i? What imam al-Shafi'i actually meant and what his principles were? A random person or the Shafi'is themselves? Or Ibn Hajar and Nawawi? So ask, I don't feel that anyone has the right to just comment on the four imams when they have their own followers who studied that imam more than anybody else, right? And they know inside out all of his principles, not just his words, his principles. When you have a principle, okay, then when a new issue comes up, you apply the principle and you get that result. So that imam may have not had that result. He never said that result. But he never had that problem. But because he set some principles, when we apply his principles to this new issue, then we end up with that result. That must be the imam's position on it. You see? So if, I'm a, if I say a position, listen. Uh, if someone comes, I want you to be here at 5.30. But if someone comes, knocks on the door, I need you to be nice to them and be pleasant with them and host them. Okay, That's the most important thing. So I didn't say be late, but based on my principle, if 529 and someone knocks on the door, then following my principle, I accept you being late. You see? So when an imam has a principle, he doesn't face all the problems because certain issues haven't come up yet. Certain questions haven't come up yet. So the followers of that imam will apply his principle to the new matter and come up with a result that will be that imam's principle. Uh, uh, madhab on the issue. You understand? Next question. Opinion on a Salafi marrying a uh, non-Salafi? Uh, I think in religion you got to have the same, uh, in marriage you got to have the same beliefs. Per personal, personal opinion on that is that you can only have different beliefs on subjects you don't care about uh, too strongly, right? If you care strongly about a, a subject, then when you marry, you both need to have the same opinion on it. That's my opinion on that. Next. Is there a difference between having a doubt or uncertainty and knowing that we have forgotten or missed something in namaz? Uh, do we have to do such as so in both cases? If you have a, uh, a doubt that is a strong, that is a strong doubt in an obligatory matter of the prayer, then that whole rakah is canceled bring another rakah and pray to sujood sahu after the salam. If you have a doubt about missing a sunnah, then you do sajid sahu only before the salam. Okay? So anytime that you added to the salah, you do the sujood sahu after the salam. 
Anytime that you've decreased from the salah, you do sujood sahu before the salam. And the person who receives doubt every single day, he ignores all his doubts. He's called muwaswas. Okay? Mustankihu shak. He receives, he has some kind of a doubt about his wudu or his salah every single day, he should ignore it all. Next question. Yes. What is he saying? What happened to HK787 and Sophia's friend? We need an update. Oh, is there any person known to be from the Abdal today? SubhanAllah, yesterday in tafsir class, reading about Al-Qurtubi's tafsir on um, Surah Al-Baqarah. Uh, this beautiful ayah of Surah Al-Baqarah. It, what does it mean if it was not for Allah Ta'ala to repel one people with another? From the tafsir of that, Al-Qurtubi ends up on the discussion of Al-Abdal. What are Abdal? Abdal are 40 people on the earth at any given time whose hearts are filled with sincerity for the ummah completely purified and they are the pegs of faith on the earth and they used to be prophets until the time of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam prophecy is now cut off so they have been replaced with pious or the awliya of the ummah of islam hence their title the replacements. That's the meaning of abdal, is the replacements. So, faith, iman, deen was established by prophets for all of humanity until the time of the ummah of the Prophet Muhammad Now it's established by the believers themselves. Amongst the believers themselves are 40 abdal. And the bulk of them are in Syria. The hadith, there's always mentioning Syria in relation to these abdal. In some hadith, all of them are in Syria. Others say, some Syrian Iraq. But these abdal, they have perfected their hearts in terms of purifying its ikhlas to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so much so that the Prophet describes them as having the yaqeen in Allah, similar to the yaqeen of Prophet Ibrahim without them being prophets. So because of them, tribulations are avoided and nourishment and rahmah comes down. They don't bring it down, but because of them, through them, Allah Ta'ala nourishes the earth with iman and Islam. Okay? And of course, if the corruption is greater, right, then uh, it doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that we have victory all the time just because we have abdal. If it's not something Allah wills, they don't have a will of their own. They merely reflect Allah's will. So that's the concept and idea of the abdal. All right, Ayub, next question. Make sure we try to get those that are giving us exclamation points and sirens and things like that. Go ahead. Yesterday you mentioned we have to take the means to get a perfej, set the alarm, and if you sleep all the same, you're forgiven. What if you sleep too late? You also have to know yourself. If you, if you are intentionally just staying up really late, knowing that you're going to miss Fedge, yeah, there could be some degree of sinfulness on you. You know that you're going to miss Fedge. I, I remember being with some, some people where 
I was young and we were staying at their house for like two, three weeks in another country. I'm not going to say which country. And every single day in the month of Ramadan, the hangout would literally start at about 10.30 p.m. The food comes out again. The first show comes on from like 11 to 12. The second show comes on from 12 to 1. At 1 o'clock, another round of tea comes out. And then some of the men would go to a tent that was set up in the middle of the town. And at that tent would be tables everywhere. Tables. And what are these tables? Backgammon, chess, cards, and people going around with tea and sweets. A singer. These are the tents of Ramadan. I'm like, are we supposed to do the opposite here? <laughs> the tents of Ramadan, right? Wait, I was, wait a second. Are we supposed to do the opposite, right? No, this is just to pass the time until Fajr comes in. Wait a second. Fajr comes in like f- four, right? You got tired around 3.30. Oh, I can't stay up anymore. Let me just take a five-minute nap. Five-minute nap. You're up at 9, 10 a.m. You miss Fajr completely. Every day this happens. Okay, let's set the alarm for fetch. You set the, you say it's words that you're saying to, to appease your conscience, right? The reality is that you're sinful for that. You know you're not waking up for fetch. Uh, Tabish Ahmed says, My friend says, You can't make up your own salawat like Dala'il Khairat. Why? The salawat is a dua. Who says you can't? Salah, the salawat on the Prophet, is nothing other than a dua. Where is his proof of this prohibition? Bring Shaykh the Haroon. evidence. Sheikh Haroon said it the other day. I think it was Sheikh Haroon. Yeah. Like, um, like, it's a bid'ah to ask for like tawfiq on your math test. Subhanallah. Yeah, it's like asking for like, oh Allah, make, it e- make this test easy for me. It's yeah. Cool test. That, that, that's, from the sunnah. Exactly. That's exactly that mentality that you need every single thing, specific matter spelled out for you. That's the, the, the disease of that simplistic mind. If you look at it in aqidah and in fiqh, they need every single thing, specific thing spelled out. No. The Qur'an gives you the general principles and the specifics fall underneath them. So as someone says, you negate for Allah what he didn't negate for himself. Like having a location. Wait a second. Did not Allah give the general statement that he is a samad? He has no needs? And a location is a need. Right? So you're not negating location. So I say, so do you negate purpleness for Allah? God is purple. Do you negate it? He was like stuck. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Bah, bah, bah. Uh, negate it. You ne- Why would you negate purpleness and not location? I say, oh, because the Quran mentions uh, uh, the, qib- the qibla of dua and Allah is above the skies, Right? Above the skies, فَوْقَهُمْ قَاهِرُونَ Allah says, He's above them in full control, meaning control, meaning in dominance. They're not out of His control. That's the meaning of above, above them. I'm above Ayyub in authority as my son, right? Doesn't mean I'm physically above him. He's actually very happy to be physically above me now. All right? It's like a pass. It's like a, in our societies, in our community, it's like a rite of passage of these youth, right? When they finally get taller than me. But aboveness has multiple meanings. Folk, Allah just says it. Fawqahum qahirun. Okay? We are above them with control. 
and domination. Next subject, because this subject, it's, uh, you know, like uh, when you get, have an uncle at the table and he gets triggered by a certain subject, Tejseem is that subject of mine, right? Yeah, he's Sheikh Murad too. Hey, if you were going to say something? Du'a for physical beauty. Du'a for physical beauty, pray to Hajjud. And the du'a in Nur. Allahumma ja'li nuran fi qalbi wa nuran fi bashari wa nuran fi lahmi wa nuran. That du'a in Nur. Right? I, we'll, we'll start saying that du'a, by the way, Ryan. We should say it every day. And during Hajj, we did uh, Rami b- uh, before the. Do we need to give Fidya for this? No. So, um, not that I know of. Um, wait, let me just. I, I would have to double check that. Next question. Is this WhatsApp group only for Sufina Society students, uh, patrons, or subs- and subscribers? Uh, the ArcView ones, ArcView 1, 2, 3, and 4 are for the ArcView students because they have to ask questions about the classes. Uh, Abby Khan says, or Abby KM says, which is also Uga Panda on YouTube, on blogging th- theology, talking about Islam and rebellion talks about the modern Nejdi opinion. Is is there a question there? Yeah, Abby. Abby, was there a question there? The the Nejdis, the Wahhabi original Wahhabis, they basically had to find a way to to render the Ottomans to be not outside of Islam to justify the rebellion against them, and they used Tawassul and Istighatha as that, right? And that's how they um, justified that. Next question. What do you got? Are you? My friend asked me if the Qirata of the Qur'an changed the meaning of the Qur'an significantly and how do we reconcile different meanings of the Qur'an? The Qira'at, the various alterations of words and diacriticals in the Qira'at add different meanings, but they don't contradict any, they don't contradict themselves, they just add different meanings to it. So there's layers of meanings. So when you look at a tafsir, they'll say, well, this Qira'ah recites it in this manner, this Qira'ah recites it in that manner, and it provides us with multiple meanings without contradiction. Next. What do you got, Abe? Hmm? Yeah, because we got bots there that are subhanAllah. What, 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 did even, what did we even say this time? Right, right? Like, we didn't say anything. We didn't talk about any... Did we talk about marriage? No. Did we talk about zina? So why are we getting these bots? Anika says, is it okay to rescue prey from your pet cats? Yes, it is okay. If, you, if, you, if, if your pet cat and you feed your pet cat, and your pet cat went out and, and, and attacked a rabbit or a mouse, you can protect the mouse. When is a good time to read Durud Mustaghasa? I don't know what that Durud is, but any uh, time. 
Istirahatihi means, yeah. But which durud is that? Which salawat on the Prophet is that? But anyone, anytime is good. Always, dua is always best last third in the way. Tamara says, can you please answer Moab's question? Oh, you, you answered it. I answered it already. Good, good, good. Uh, did you answer Levon Brown's? All right. Many of the masajid says Levon Brown, pray, Fajr, 30 minutes prior to sunrise, when the horizon is still red and white. Would you recommend a person praying it as at early at home and then with the jama'ah of the masjid? If the masjid is doing the prayer on within the valid time, because Fajr does not have a daruri time, then do it with the masjid, if you can. Always says, why the Hanafis allow Jum'ah Salah to be at 4.30? It's confu causing confusion. I don't know, but the Maliki Madhab allows Jum'ah all the way to Maghrib. Many people don't know that, but it's true. Um, Ryan, they're back. Uh, many people don't know that, but in the Maliki Madhab, Jum'ah is not restricted to Dhuhr time. Jum'ah can be prayed into Asr time, as long as you have time to pray at least one rakah of Asr. Afterwards, next question. Can a Maliki pray? Uh, I know there are different times for Hanafis pray at different uh, uh, at a different time. Is it okay for a Maliki to pray with his Hanafi friends at that different time? Inshallah, it's okay. Have you heard of the Hadith where the Prophet says, "If we spend all our extra time sending uh, salawat, all our affairs will be handled." If what? Uh, we Repeat. Spend all our time saying salawat, all our uh, affairs will be handled. Yes, it, uh, but it's within a commonsensical context. You have to understand that, right? The commonsensical context of that we are expected to work, we're expected to uh, take asbab, we're expected to do a lot of those things, all right? So when the Prophet said, when you have a hadith like that, right, whoever does ibadah the whole time, all of his affairs will be taken care of. It's within the context of common sense, such that nobody should say, oh, I have to pay, I have a bill right here, I'm not going to pay it, I'm not going to go do work, I'm just going to do ibadah. That's not exactly the, the way. So we are expected to have common sense with that. But yes, within the context of common sense, if you then spend your extra time focused on Salah and the Prophet, all of your grief and anxiety will go away and risk will come down to you. Extra risk will come to you. Some people look after cats and ignore healthy people. Is this okay? These are the um, PETA people. PETA. Animal rights activists. Um, killer vegans and animal rights activists. No, they're all the same to me. They're all the same. They're all one lot of crazies. Yes, next subject. Is it allowed to talk about another Muslim's calamity to give examples of how lack of deen affects people negatively, or is this backbite? It is, but it is, yes. If they were public sinners, if they were privately committing sins, then no. But if they are public sinners, then the answer is yes. You may use them as a bad example. Right, for example, like, okay, look, he wants to go drink, and he skips Salah, and he does all these things. All right, look at the result. Right? And we can, you can do that, Yes. Not only can, you should. In the books of Aqidah even, they tell us, they warn us, do not, you, we do not hide and cover up the, for the public sinner. He's not ashamed of Allah. He doesn't deserve to be covered up. 
Okay. Covered up is for the private sinner. Okay. He at least has the decency to be ashamed. Public sinner? No, he should be shamed and he should be made an example of. Look, all right, you want to disobey Allah openly like that and you have you don't even have the basic iman to 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 hide your sins, right? Then when the bad thing happens to you and your life goes downward, we're all going to say, okay, look, that's the result. Okay? And all these people, they got no problem talking about us, by the way. And say, oh, you think you're so pious. They always do this, right? Oh, you think you're better than everyone else, blah, blah, blah. So they're very okay with talking about us. But when it comes to the sinner, the one who's rectifying, the one who's trying to protect the community is to be blamed for being judgmental. But then they turn around and pass a judgment on that guy. Right? So you have to walk so carefully around the public center, but there's open season on the guy who's rectifying the jama'ah. You got things backwards. Read me the Instagram question in the black there. After a major, uh, After a major life event, I've slipped in my consistency with Fedj and jama'ah and Afgur. It's been a two-year slipper slope. How do I get back? Can you share any such advice? Uh, persistence stubbornness right stubbornness you gotta love the quality of somebody who is like a dog with a bone and never let go of that bone that's a quality of it's it's a personal quality if you apply it into the deen then it's good for you next is someone sinful uh, or backbiting if they describe a Muslim as not practicing if there's a reason to talk about the person why would you describe him in the first place? Is he proposing to marry or get a job or something like that? Then, or sign up for the youth group as a, as a chaperone. Then you have the right to speak about what they do in public. Their public record is fair game for you to talk about. Okay? Can we make da'at, dhikr, or recite Qur'an silently or do we need uh, to voice it out for it to count? There is dhikr that is in your mind only. Silent in your mind. All right. Or in your heart. Qalbi. But there's also dhikr when, when it needs to be spoken, it should be with your tongue. Your tongue should move. And we know that for sure. For example, the, the uh, recitation of the Quran and the takbirat and that sami'allahu liman hamida and the salam must be with your tongue moving. In the silent prayer and in the loud prayer, you should at least hear yourself. But everything else of dua can be in your mind only. Um, outside of that, recitation of Qur'an, when we say recitation of Qur'an as an act of worship, we mean at the very least your tongue is moving. Tasbih, dhikr, salawat, your tongue is moving at the very least. Uh, let's take one more and then we have to go because we got an appointment today. So let's do it. One more. So, was using the New York Times girl who was talking about doing zina allowed? How would, why would she even put out something like that? Very good question. And all I can say is we got a lot of crazies in our ummah these days. I didn't even read the article. It's filthy. Right? Just like the synopsis that I got. And that's the type of thing that, yeah, you should be shamed publicly. Right? If someone said something about anything politically incorrect to the left... Don't we, aren't we like, you expect everyone to denounce this person? 
and they're saying, oh, I didn't see your, I didn't see your denouncing of him. I didn't see your, uh, your denouncement of this person, right? We expect an open uh, disrespect of Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam through their law. You're going to go and go against that. An open denouncement and disavowal is expected. Just as if a uh, NBC, an anchor for NBC was caught making a racist slur or support or having a Nazi sympathy, it is expected that everyone will denounce him. Anyone associated with NBC will have to make a comment here and there. And, oh, I totally denounce this. Okay, don't so. Um, why am I saying that? Do we get our law from them? No, we could care less what they say. But to show you that this is common sense. If we're a group and our, we're bound by the same principles, right? And then someone from the group comes and opposes those principles. In order for me to make sure that you're still on, on the same uh, wavelength as us, it's fair to expect you to denounce it. It's a fair expectation, right? And then... Uh, uh, the issue of uh, uh, that's the issue of of these public denouncing of a public sin so I don't even remember what the question was but that's the answer alright let's move to the question today Christian Dambiki is here from um, what's the country? Czechoslovakia? Republic. Czech Republic Czechoslovakia is like 1990 the Czech Republic, you know they hate Islam so much upon all of these people. You know that we, we were doing stuff with them? Facebook, we got flagged so bad because they put so many hate messages. And so our account got flagged. Crazy. Hezbin Nasr. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna fatahna laka fathamu bina liyaghfir laka Allahu ma taqaddama min dhanbika wa ma taakhir wa yitimna amatuhu alayka wa yahdiyaka suratan mustaqima wa yansurka Allahu nasran aziza wa kana inda Allahi wajiha wajihan fi dunya wal akhirati wa min al-muqarrabin wajahtu wajihya lilladhi fatra al-samawati wal ard بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نصر من الله وفتن قريب وبشر المؤمنين يا أيها الذين آمنوا كونوا أنصار الله كما قال عيسى بن مريم للحواريين من أنصاري إلى الله قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله الله لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم لهما في السماوات وما في الأرض ما الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لو أنزلنا هذا القرآن على جبل لرأيته خاشعا متصدعا من خشية الله وتلك الأمثال نضربها للناس لعلهم يتفكرون هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو عالم الغيب والشهادة والرحمن الرحيم هو الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الملك القدوس السلام المؤمن المهيمن العزيز الجبار المتكبر سبحان الله عما يشركون هو الله الخالق البارئ المصور له الأسماء الحسنى يسبح له ما في السماوات والأرض وهو العزيز الحكيم أعيذ نفسي بالله 
تعالى من كل ما يسمع بأذنين ويبصر بعينين ويمشي برجلين ويبطش بيدين ويتكلم بشفتين حصنت نفسي بالله الخالق الأكبر من شر ما أخاف وأحذر من الجن والإنس وأن يحضرون عز جاره وجل ثناؤه وتقدست أسماؤه ولا إله غيره اللهم إني أجعلك في نحور أعدائي وأعوذ بك من شرورهم وتحيونهم ومكرهم ومكائدهم أطفئ نار من أراد بعداوة من الجن والإنس يا حافظ يا حفيظ يا كافي يا محيط سبحانك يا رب ما أعظم شأنك وعز سلطانك تحصنت بالله وبأسماء الله وبآيات الله وملائكة الله وأنبياء الله ورسل الله والصالحين من عباد الله حصنت نفسي بلا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم اللهم احرسني بعينك التي لا تنام واكنفني بكنفك الذي لا يرام وارحمني بقدرتك علي فلا أهلك وأنت ثقتي ورجائي يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا غياث المستغيثين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين يا درك الهالكين اكفني شر كل طارق يطرق بليل أو نهار إلا طارقا يطرق بخير إنك على كل شيء قدير بسم الله أرقي نفسي من كل ما يؤذي ومن كل حاسد الله شفائي بسم الله رقيت اللهم رب الناس أذهب الباس اشفي أنت الشافي وعافي أنت المعافي لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر سقما ولا ألما يا كافي يا وافي يا حميد يا مجيد ارفع عني كل تعب شديد واكفني من الحد والحديد والمرض الشديد والجيش العديد واجعل لي نورا من نورك وعزا من عزك ونصرا من نصرك وبهاء من بهائك وعطاء من عطائك وحراسة من حراستك وتأييدا من تأييدك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والمواهب, والمواهب العظام أسألك أن تكفيني من شر كل ذي شر إنك أنت الله الخالق الأكبر وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه والحمد لله رب العالمين ظاهرا وباطنا وعلى كل حان يا أرحم الراحمين إن شاء الله ودوا silent dua for a few minutes
صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين Oh, baby,